Queen's Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Singleton. And as a child of the 80s, I'd love to say queens rule, but they don't. Queens lead. Being a queen means you are worthy to be a leader of people. The guests on our show do exactly that. They are leading the way in their businesses, families, and communities. They're taking their rightful place in the spotlight, leading and inspiring the developing queens in all of us. Welcome to the Queen's Lead Podcast. Uh, welcome everybody back to another episode of the Queen's Lead podcast. Today, we are honored to be joined by Daniela Wolf. She is the founder, director, and CEO of Best D Life from New York. How are you, Daniela? Thank you for joining us. Amy, thank you so much for having me today. Absolutely. Tell our guests about a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am Daniela Wolf. Um, I've been a social worker actually for 26 years. So, and I've worked in a high school for 23. I'm a mom of two and I love to travel, hike and stand up paddleboard and popcorn's my favorite food. (laughs) Nice. Like I do. I love popcorn. Breakfast, lunch. Like I really could eat it all the time. (laughs) Is it just like different flavored ones or just straight butter popcorn? Um, straight buttered, or I do make a sriracha honey butter that I really like. Okay. Well, we're going to have to stick around for that recipe later on. That sounds delicious. And I actually, I even use it as part of my self-care, which I know like we're not there yet, but I use an air popper and standing in front of it and like just smelling it and hearing it like sets the mood for me, you know, just to take two minutes to myself because no one's going to bother me while I'm making popcorn anyway. So I love that. Oh my (laughs) gosh. Just one of the many options to fit it in. Yeah. Well, let's talk about self-care right now. That is the most amazing thing I've ever heard about self-care. Everyone else is like running out, running baths and stuff, but I love how that smell and that activity can elicit that time. Yeah. It's, it's, you figure it's aromatherapy, it's mindful, you're present, you know, it involves something that, you know, you like to eat, it connects you with others, which is kind of the way I look at self-care. And while I love spa days and bubble baths and girl getaways, it's not always practical. It's not always financially possible, as well as, you know, you might grab an hour here, an hour there and expect the benefits to last all week. It's kind of like going to the gym for an hour and think you're going to lose five pounds. You Mm -hmm. know, it needs to be something more consistent and sustainable in order to really get those lasting benefits and effects that are going to help calm you down, help de-stress you, help you feel less overwhelmed and burnt out and fill you up in a way so that when those crazy moments in life happen, you're able to cope with them and adapt and pivot and handle them in a better way. And so self-care, the way I teach it and approach it is it's everything from the way you sleep, the way you eat, the way you move, the way you think about money, the way you dress, the way you decorate and organize your home. And these are all things you can kind of systematically have systems and habits for or place throughout your day to take a moment and be able to really then get those benefits that help kind of make that overall transformation for you. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I, I know when I clean up my environment and I take those little intentional things that I know are coming every day, mm-hmm. you get excited about that thing, even if it is just popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. Or just even, you know, sometimes you have like a special lipstick or a special lotion you put on and it automatically like changes the way you feel, you know, and when you feel differently, you're going to act differently. You're going to show up differently. So, you know, you might put on that killer outfit that, you know, you look great in, and you're going to be more confident. You're going to walk into your house and not step on a Lego and scream for five minutes. And it's going to change the way you feel in those different places so that you can act differently. Yeah. So I, 
speaking of being in the same place, a high in a high school as a social worker for 23 years, I can imagine the kind of stress and burnout that that could have caused. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, especially over the last couple of years, but in general, you know, things that have been hard for kids and for people and they're in general, I see like they're coping, their resilience. I think everyone's struggling and being able to show up for them. I need to be taking care of myself or I'm of no use to anybody, you know, at work, my family. And just, you know, you think of when you want to be more creative, you need to be in a good headspace. When you want to be more thoughtful and present, again, you need to be focused and in a good headspace. And so when people think of self-care, it can be seen as selfish or it's all about you when it's really about taking care of yourself in a way to be more present and able to care for everybody else around you, whether it's your business, your family, your friends, your job, you know, so it really has this necessity that I think we take for granted and see as more of a luxury or nice to have when that's really not the case. Right. It has to come first. It all starts with that a hundred percent. Yeah. That's a long, that's a long, long, hard bought lesson, I think in life for most of us. Luckily we can rely on people like you who are now teaching that actively to us instead of, instead of having to learn it after 40 years of of life experience, (laughs) a little bit of a shortcut. Because I think sometimes we regret how long it takes us to figure that out. And we're like, gosh, I wish I knew then what I know now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But I know I've had to really quit kicking myself for that kind of thing. You know, Mm -hmm. the way I grew up, I wasn't encouraged to maybe read or as much or something. And now that I'm doing those things, it's like, Oh, at first I was like, man, I should have done this so long ago. And I was shooting, shooting, shooting all myself. And now I'm just like, Mm -hmm. I'm so glad I know this now. And I can practice this every day. I love to quote Maya Angelou. She said, you did what you knew. And when you knew better, you did better, you know, and that's all you can do is give yourself that grace. That's exactly right. So what took you from social work in high school to, to business, uh, business ownership? Yeah, a lot of it was my own personal journey. Um, When my kids were younger, about four years old and six months old, I went through a divorce. So I was a working single mom and trying to juggle and do all the things and taking on probably way more than I should. And I hit that place of burnout and overwhelm and hit this wall where I realized this is not the person I want to be. This is not the mom I want my kids to know. This is not how I want to live my life, rushing around, irritable, snapping. And so Mm -hmm. I intentionally started to make some very small, very simple changes. One of them was Oprah had her gratitude practice, you know, pick three things every day that you're grateful for. And so I started writing them down, you know, and they were simple, like the sun was shining. Like I, I know I said, I live in Buffalo and in the wintertime, it's hard to come by, you know, that's a good day held the door for me. Maybe I had my favorite banana smoothie and focusing on those small moments of joy throughout the day are part of where you build your happiness. I also started to go to the gym once or twice a week and using the childcare there and really working on letting go of, you know, that expectation that I needed to be with my kids 24 seven or feeling guilty that I wasn't with them. And it, it, if anything, like it was, they had so much fun. They would come back. They had this cool college kid they were hanging out with, you know, and, right. and we both, we all just kind of realized like, this is fun. This is good for yeah. us. And as I started to even just doing more activities that I did pre-kids, you know, I golfed, I knit, my kids were excited to ask me and learn about who I was beyond just the person that took care of them, as well as it modeled for them that taking care of yourself is important. And I realized like, I don't know where else my kids are going to learn this if I don't show them 
that it's necessary and valuable and that, you know, even though we're moms and we take care of them and we do everything, we're people too. And that, you know, I don't ever want them to lose themselves to their jobs or any mm. other role in that way. Oh yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. It completely starts at home. And that's not something that anyone else is going to teach our kids for us for no. at all. No. And I think it's shifting though. I think, you know, parents, I look back, you know, we didn't talk about certain things. You didn't talk about feelings and not that, you know, we have to stay in that place, but part of, you know, the balance that everyone talks about is learning to acknowledge what you're feeling, not unpacking and staying there, but acknowledging and recognizes so that you can move on. You can adapt, you can pivot, you can have that resilience to be able to take what life hands you and still move forward in a different way. Yeah, for sure. So you were feeling angsty and started working on yourself. And how did that mm -hmm. blossom into bestie life? So I, you know, just kind of going around doing my thing. I think people just started noticing I was showing up different. I was doing things different. And it was based on just feedback I got from people, whether it was coworkers or friends. You know, I had a girlfriend shoot me a message like of a picture of herself reading somewhere. She's like, I decided to take 20 minutes to read rather than go run some errands because of something I said. Someone shot me another message like that they were making intentional choices based on just the things I was talking about and doing as part of my day-to-day -day life and realizing this is something people are want permission to do, are looking for feedback and support of, are excited and proud of that accomplishment of taking time for themselves. And I think we need to talk about it and reframe the way we think about it in order to prioritize it in a different way so that it's not seen as something nice to have or a luxury, but this is part of, we brush our teeth, we eat, we shower, we get dressed and we take care of ourselves. And it's gonna look different for every person and different every day. It doesn't have to be an alone isolating thing. It could be laughing with a group of friends. It could be, you know, doing something fun. It can be doing a physical activity. You know, that's why I listed all those different ways that self-care can look so that you're not just a one shot and done, but that it's throughout your day. Yeah. Yeah. And being able to teach that to someone else is a very unique skill. I can only imagine your experience with working with kids all these years and being able to communicate has really helped with that effort. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think it gave me the perspective of working at, with a at times resistant population that to work with someone who is open and excited, I think, you know, just gives that much more opportunity for growth. Yeah, for sure. So what is, what type of people are you serving with your coaching? Um, a lot of working moms, you know, whether they're entrepreneurs trying to run their own business and set those boundaries and find that balance as well as some corporate work and helping to do some corporate wellness to teach employees and managers how to find that work-life balance, especially these last couple of years with working from home, you know, that work-life balance line has gotten super blurry, as well mm -hmm. as some of the downtime that we had built in our day, whether it was a commute or, you know, being able to shut down at six o'clock and be done. And now, you know, we've got Zoom calls, we've got emails on our phone, we've got constant means of contact that it's never shutting down. It's never off. And we don't set that priority again of taking care of ourselves. And so those are kind of like the two bigger areas of, of who I work with. Nice. So do, are you still at, with the school as well? Yeah. Doing both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, 
you know, heading into the last stretch of my career towards retirement. And I'm excited for that journey as well. But I love being able to do this. I love the opportunity to just help people talk about, it. I could talk about this probably all day in so many different ways. I would, <laughs> you know, go off on tangents. And so I just, I just think, you know, I can be more than one thing too. This is something that fills me up. This excites me. This is part of my self-care is connecting and helping others. So I love doing awesome. it. That's awesome. What is your role? Are you teaching the kids the same type of uh, these type, same type of skills? I do actually, we do anxiety. We do a lot of anxiety work, a lot of stress management, helping kids. You know, I even see it with my own kids. My kids are now 21 and, and almost 17 and helping them to learn the skills to be able to handle, you know, the different things that handle happen in life. My daughter, unfortunately, tore her ACL last spring and really had to work on her mindset and being able to pivot, you know, a change in expectations, a change in just the way her life was going to look for a while. And so helping kids with, you know, those stress management, those mindset, those mindfulness activities of taking time to put the device down, take a break, go outside in nature, you know, forest therapy, the Japanese art of forest bathing, you know, being in nature has so many subconscious benefits that we don't even realize when we're out there. So taking the time to learn these skills and learn what works for you before you need them is so crucial in being able to utilize them when you're in a place of stress. I almost compare it to like an athlete. You don't train on the day of the game and expect to remember that play. You train ahead of time so that muscle memory kicks in when you're under stress because we don't think rationally when we're stressed. When we're in crisis, all logic goes out the window. And so yeah. as much as we can help, you know, reinforce these skills, whether I'm teaching kids directly, I teach parents who then can help their kids work through those things. I think we're creating a different society and a different conversation around all of this. And it affects then mental health, which is also so important. Yeah. I think, uh, I think most of us adults, at least you know, women at my age anyway, you know, between 30 and 50 or so are really starting to understand some of these concepts for ourselves, but translating it to those littles, whether they be mm -hmm. toddlers or teenagers, that's really difficult for us to explain that to a kid. What, what's some mm -hmm. advice you can give to, to the moms listening on how to <laughs> begin that conversation with their kids? Yeah, I think just finding ways to normalize the conversation so that they know when something is okay to talk about or not based on how we respond, how we approach it. Um, mm. There was a quote from Mr. Rogers. You'll find I love quotes as well. And it says, everything human is mentionable and everything mentionable is manageable. So, you know, the first step is just talking about it. Hey, I'm having a rough day. This is a rough week for me. I'm feeling a little bit sad. I think I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to help myself. I'm going to take a walk. I'm going to call a friend, you know, and just those simple things, they do what we do, not what we say. So by showing by example is how we're going to help normalize those conversations about how we're feeling. Cause sometimes it's not, you know, necessarily a depression or an anxiety or, you know, a set mental health diagnosis, but I always say we all have minds. And so we all have mental health. We all have good and bad days and how we choose to talk about them and cope with them are how it's going to be ac accepted and received in our households and communities. Yes. And so yes. we've got to stop the stigma. You know, that's unfortunately the biggest obstacle to getting help is people thinking there's going to be judged, having that fear, you know, and we need to be able to change that so that, you know, just like you have a toothache, you go to the dentist, 
you're not feeling right, you're going to find somebody to talk to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and setting them up with those tools from the very beginning is so valuable and opening up those conversations too. I know we talk about it all the time in my household, um, you know, like very, probably way more open than most <laughs> parents would ever even think about being. But, you know, if you don't say to your child, you know, if you just say, don't do drugs, well, well, that, that just makes them interested in drugs when you're right. open enough to say, don't do drugs because drugs feel amazing. Mm-hmm. until they don't being yeah. able to say that to a teenager or a younger child is it's really hard for some people, but I feel like it's so necessary. It's the right. conversations that most people aren't having. And if we're not teaching them, they're going to learn it. And who are they going to learn it from? Right. They're going to go on social media. They're going to hear it from their friends. And you know, the, the kids are the, the first resource of who they're going to reach out to when something's happening in their life. And so equipping your own kids to be able to say, you know what, I think I'm going to talk to my mom about this. I think I'm going to reach out to my cool uncle Tommy because he's easy to talk to, you know, to have them to at least know who their touchstones are is yes. going to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. An offering, like you said, uncle Tommy or someone who's not mom or dad is mm-hmm. also about, you know, letting them know who those safe people are that they can open up a conversation with without judgment. Right. Yeah. Right. Cause it's, it's not always going to be us. Even being a social worker, I would have to sometimes, you know, like hire people to tell my kids the same things I would tell them because as your parent, as a parent, they're not always going to hear it the same way from you, even though they're going to watch what you do and you are still a big influence in their lives. You know, it's okay to have other people, again, that village, that community of support that models the same things that you're saying. So maybe, you know, you're having a conversation with your girlfriend and your kids are in earshot and they hear, oh, this is how we talk about when we're upset about something. This is, Mm -hmm. you know, how we share so that they know, or this is how, you know, they're going to take a walk and go take care of themselves. And they see that self-care, they see that. And that makes the imprint, even if it doesn't come into play until later. Mm, I love that. Listen to this woman. Your behavior is teaching your children just as much, if not more than what you say to them. Oh yeah. I mean, how many times, I don't know about you, but I've heard things come out of my mouth that my parents have said, and I thought I'd never want to turn in my parents, but you just do, you just do because subconsciously you pick up all those things. And so subconsciously, what message are your kids getting from you? Because that's what they're going to repeat without even realizing it later on in life. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole nother podcast episode. I know. parents stuff that gets handed down that you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Even, yeah. I've got one about your age, just graduated this last year. And it's like going, he's at that stage where he's actually realizing adults are not superheroes. We do not have it all together. We do not have it all figured out. We're not perfect. We have our fears and flaws just like he does. And Mm -hmm. it's a very eye-opening experience at that age to go, Oh, wait, you know, my, my papa or my aunt, so-and-so or whoever is not this perfect being. I, I didn't realize they had problems too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, <laughs> when they're younger, they just see, you know, as we're trying to figure it out and making all the mistakes and that type of thing, you know, how they see us handle mistakes is part of, again, what they're going to internalize, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. giving yourself that grace and having, you know, that system set up, I, I define balance as your, not things being equal, but your ability to adapt, pivot, have resilience and boundaries. And so that's how they learn that balance. That's how they learn those things. Yeah. Yeah. Lead by example. That's for sure. So tell us a little bit about 
starting my D life while you mm-hmm. still have and continue to keep that full-time job. What are some of the challenges that you've had with, with building your business? Um, I mean, some of it is just, I've been a social worker for so long. I'm not a business person. So I'm learning, I'm taking the time to learn business sales, marketing technology, you know, just some of those things that I think it's taken for granted in a different industry. I know my industry. And so some of that's just from a business standpoint, just things I'm, I'm needing to learn. And it's been also, like I said, very fun. And for me, I like learning. I'm a lifelong learner. And so learning things again, is part of my, my self-care. I think, you know, having again, that balance involves my boundaries. I have very set boundaries, you know, of when I work, when I don't work, when certain things are happening and that's so that I don't get burnout, I don't get overwhelmed and I can, you know, meet everyone's expectations as well as my own in a way that feels good to me, you know, so I don't respond to emails after a certain time. I don't take calls after a certain time, you know, my Calendly schedule is pretty set and this is the only time I'm going to do certain things and that's what helps me manage it. So it's not that I'm neglecting anything, but I also am pretty set like, okay, you know, if I say I'm going to be at a meeting for an hour, I'm, I'm probably booking an hour, <laughs> you know, yeah, those yeah. types of things. And, and so, you know, I, I look at boundaries as freedom for me and the other people. So I, I do plan my time very intentionally and I'm intention intentional when it comes to my work time, my self-care time, my fun time, and my get ready for bed, do nothing time. <laughs> Yeah. The like, just turn it all off and go brain dead in front of friends or something time. <laughs> exactly. My family, teases me. I have what I call the uni at night. And that's when my PJs in my robe come out and I wash my face and they're like, Oh, uni's out, you know? And so they, but they know they've accepted like, okay, she's, she's done for the night. You know, she's going to veg and watch something on Netflix. We're all going to do it together, but you know, don't, I can remember when they were younger sometimes, like, don't ask me to make churros at nine o'clock at night. And that's a real example. <laughs> Cause that's happened. Yeah. That sounds like something a kid would ask you to do. <laughs> and oh, by class. the way, yeah, I promised the class and oh, by the way, I need that poster board for the science project tomorrow at 7 AM yeah. and it's midnight. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely yeah. buy stock and poster board. You buy the big pack in September. So you always have at least 10. <laughs> that's it. That is wise mama words right there. Mm-hmm. One more science project. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so how can, I, I know I've heard a lot of women business owners say that boundary with clients, like they're texting me all hours. I just saw a photographer that I'm friends with post just this week. She was like, guys, you are, or she was an event planner. She's like, look at my text stream. I'm not trying to be rude, but she posted out on her social media. She's like, this is the number of texts I get every day from people not wanting to do business with me, but asking me to do something for them, you know? And so I I feel like obviously a lot of that happens when we know better, we do better. So we can begin Mm -hmm. to set expectations with new clients or new friends, but how do you navigate the old ones that are really, um, kind of those hangers on that, that just won't quit happen in all the time. And, and it's, it's definitely, it's work. It's a process. It's a practice because, you know, as a recovering people pleaser, you know, I always wanted to say, yes, I always wanted to be helpful, but I learned sometimes I was less helpful. The more I said yes, than when I said no, Mm. you know, and so sometimes it might just be an automated thing. If, If it's too hard to do in person to have like an auto message, automatic message that goes out, like, Hey, we've started a new policy. We don't respond to emails after nine. We're so excited to get back to you. We'll do that first thing or on Monday, whatever it is. 
but to let them know ahead of time, you know, it's kind of like if you want to go shopping at the store, you want to know when the store is going to be open. If not, you're going to keep going there. You're going to get frustrated. The door is going to be locked. But if you know, okay, it opens back up at nine, you can handle that. We usually are pretty reasonable when we know what the expectations are. And so being able to communicate that, you know, part of the, the practice is the mindset work of letting go of the expectations, the should, the fear, the judgment, because most of that's in our own head. It's our own conversations. No one's ever told us that directly, but we've kind of assumed. And they say, when you assume you make an ass out of you and me, I don't exactly. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, so we have to work on that practice of letting go of that, but by automating sometimes some of those uncomfortable conversations until we get comfortable having them helps to set up the boundary, helps to let it go. Even if we kind of scream a little, as soon as we press on, like, oh my God, it's, yeah. you know, working through that and having someone to help you work through that, you know, whether it's a friend, a coach, somebody to help you validate that you're doing the right thing is all part of that process. So you can set that boundary and let them know this is what works for me. If we're going to work together, I'm hoping we can both enjoy this relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really getting the right client too is, is a big part of that. I know, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just, um, what was I going to say? So just totally lost my, <laughs> lost my thought fell right out of my head there. But, um, oh yeah, I think a lot of us in business, when we're first starting out, we just want everyone to like us, you know, mm-hmm. especially when they're really new and they're like, I just don't have a few clients and you, you take anything and every kind of work and any kind of client you can. But when you finally make that mindset, mindset shift, <laughs> mindset mm-hmm. shift to, I'd rather be respected than liked. I'd rather, mm-hmm. you know, have the right client than take any client. Then, then everything really starts to move in the right direction. And it does, it starts with that mindset. Absolutely. And, and like you said, sometimes we start off in the wrong mindset, but the sooner we can switch to what we need, the happier ourselves and our clients are going to be. Yes. A hundred percent. So tell me a favorite client story. Who, where, who's someone that you've helped that came to you just a mess and left so much better? <laughs> um, I mean, it's kind of a blend of, you know, I've really enjoyed all of my clients. I think even, you know, I don't know if you remember those hair club for men commercials, you know, like oh, yeah. I'm, I'm my own best client too. Like I know my messes. I've learned to own them and embrace them. And, you know, my kids and I, we talk very openly now, like, God, you know, when, when you guys were little, I, I, I know I was not always together and, you know, being able to acknowledge and work through that. I think we're all still works in progress. I'm not perfect. You know, nothing's perfect, but I think just being able to, like I said, initially acknowledge how you're feeling, acknowledge what's going on and keep growing and learning and working through it is going to be the key. I don't think anybody is, you know, totally a lost case when it comes to being able to keep making progress and transformation. We're all on the journey to becoming our best selves. Yeah, for sure. So what is it like to work with you? Um, so I currently have a one-to-one coaching offer and it's pretty, you know, informational. You're going to get some strategies. I am going to hold you accountable to doing certain things because this only works if you take action. It doesn't matter how many great things I can tell you, how many options, even though I love coming up with so many different options, like the popcorn one we start with, there's always a way, but whether or not you choose 
to take action and do it is kind of going to be the the part you have to think about when it comes to working with me. You know, how committed are you to really coming maybe outside of, I don't want to say your comfort zone because nothing's really uncomfortable, but changing your routines and habits, trying something different, you know, and they're not massive big shifts. I always keep it like super simple, super small. We smart start like literally one thing at a time. And you'll be, I've had people say to me like, that's it. And I'm like, yes, just, just do that one thing this week. And that's where we're going to start because to build habits, it's easier when you build consistency. And so the easier it is, the more likely it's actually going to happen. And then it becomes automated and you don't have to think about it. It reduces that decision fatigue and it's easier to build on. So I keep it very simple, very basic and very custom because everyone's life is a little bit different, you know? And so we start off with a screening to see where your strengths are. What are some of the areas from those self-care areas that maybe we need to focus on? Because that's where the mindset blocks are going to hit. That's where you're going to come across that obstacle. I always liken it to like you're on a wheel, you know, and so each area is a spoke in the wheel. And even though you might be able to roll along, you know, an area that maybe has that hole in it, whether it's maybe for me, it might be money. I sometimes avoid that conversation. I'm going to hit that hole and I'm going to feel it every time. And so if Mm -hmm. we don't fix the hole, you know, that wheel of how you go around day after day after day is going to feel uncomfortable. So we do work on your mindset. We do some time planning, and then we help you fit in that self-care consistently so that as it becomes more natural for you, you can just kind of whip something out each here and there, like, oh, I'm, you know, have 15 minutes before my daughter's practice is done. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to call a friend. I'm going to listen to a book on tape. I'm going to listen to a podcast. You're going to have enough ideas that you're gonna be able to fit it in throughout the day. I'm also putting together though, a little bit more of a do-it-yourself course offering that's gonna come out this fall, because I do understand that sometimes it can be intimidating to work with someone one-on-one. It can be time consuming to find that time and to think, gosh, I I don't have the time to do that. But maybe if I can look at this and do this on my own a little bit, maybe I can use then some of the supports available through that course program to still have access to me to be able to start moving the needle and making that shift on your own a little bit. So I'm excited for that to come out this fall to give just people another opportunity to be able to make this work for them because that's my biggest goal. It's not about me, it's about making it work for you. Yeah, yeah, everybody's individual need is served that way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Nice. All right. Well, tell us where they can find you if they want to work with you. Absolutely. So my website is bestielife.com. You can find me on Instagram, the same name, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest. Um, I also have a podcast, Bestie Life, helping you find the bliss in your busy, you know, and that's my tagline because busy is going to happen either way, but how you find the happiness, joy, and bliss in the midst of it. And you'll hear interviews from so many other women business owners as far as their personal journey what works for them, maybe a little peek behind the curtain of things they still don't have together. Just so you know, you know, nobody's perfect, despite what you see on social media feeds and how we're just all kind of working through and getting through these things together. Yeah, for sure. So visit Bestie Life if you want to work with Daniela. What does what is best is D for Daniela? What is best it D is. life for? I it was is. hoping so it was like best friends, damn life. It could be. It could be your best design life, your best detangled life, your best damn life. The D is whatever you want it to be. You know, my closest friends have always called me D. And so, okay. you know, when my friend reached out to me, she's like, I listened to my inner D and did this, you know? And so it yes. could just be 
hearing that, you know, voice, sometimes we need that little Jiminy Cricket of like, no, this is what you're going to go do instead. That's right. Everybody needs a little D in their, <laughs> in their head, just thinking about like, as the little angel on the shoulder whispering what, what we need what to do. What would you do? <laughs> what would you do? I love it. Well, thank you so much, Daniela, for being my guest today. And thank you for being a queen that leads. Thank you, Amy. This has been fantastic.